listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 61 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast, where we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my friends and co-hosts, Asan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest today is a longtime veteran of the comic book business, cartoonist, both writing and drawing. He's been a major influence on the direction of comics, referred to frequently as one of the principal architects of the modern comic book. His signature creation, American Flag, introduced a new level of narrative complexity, depth of character, and point of view in the text, not to mention a previously unseen level of design and craft to the visual nature of all too frequently staid and timid medium. Howard, did you write this? I'm not a self-esteem challenged at all. <laughs> his divided states of hysteria enraged an entire new generation of the willfully ignorant who might have had a better cause, better case, if they'd actually read the damn book. Well, that's, we've run into that before. The second arc of Hey Kids Comics, a fictionalized history of the comic book business, and his love letter to the field he's called home for nearly five decades, hits the shelves in the spring of 2021. Presuming, of course, there's a spring and a 2021. And a 2021. Howard Jakin. <laughs> My friend, welcome to Cinemental. Hey guys, thanks for having me. This is uh, I'm willing to mistake attention for perfection under any circumstances. Nice to see you all. <laughs> oh boy, um, you know, come on, Steve. You knew going in. Oh no, I are you kidding me? I, I, you I, I catch a virgin from, from, the, from the day you agreed. I've been looking forward to this. Believe me. So let's see. I met you probably a little bit after i started working with walter mm-hmm. so that's probably what uh 12 years ago give or take More something like that, that. It, it like i've known you so. since, since we were holding up liquor stores together you know, I don't know. <laughs> well you know we, we had masks on so it was you know you know i mean i i feel like the last 20 years have been a, have been a, vac- a vacancy in my head so it might be like sometime in the last two decades we've we, we encountered Let, let's call it that i'll yeah. i'll doubt i'm happy to happy to to take that you guys were wearing masks before it was popular that's right. right. You guys That's are right. trendsetters. Well, <laughs> Howard's been Howard's been on the bleeding edge for a long time, so <laughs> causing the bleeding edge. Bleeding um, on the edge doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, I will not uh, uh, spend a lot of time in the in the early goings as uh, Howard wants to uh, get to his coma. So uh, we will uh, suffer from consumption. Uh, I had a busy week, uh, so I'm just going to hit the highlights because I just realized looking at this that I watched about 17 movies in addition to uh, a whole bunch of musical documentaries. But uh, I'm going to hit the highlights. Where do you find all the musical documentaries? Usually, I, I hit most of them on Amazon uh, this week. Oh, uh, really? And I watched them on The Who, Pink, a couple on Pink Floyd, a really good one on Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, and actually, a really good one that you should watch, Hassan, called Hired Gun. And it's just about sidemen working in, like, 
working in like modern rock bands and yeah, like getting session, hired with, session yeah, players. And, yeah. Okay. And then, and like working towards getting to that, that goal of being in a permanent band, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's really good. Can I uh, trouble you for a list when this is all over of uh, the movies you've seen? Oh, you're oh yeah, of course, of course. No, I'm going to go, I'm okay. just going to go through and hit the highlights. I, I hit, yeah, yeah. I hit one thing that I found that um, I actually want to ask Howard if he's seen these. Uh, Cause I think they're fairly new to Netflix, but they're, it's, it's a trilogy of Spanish detective movies. The first one is called the invisible guardian. The second one is called The Legacy of the Bones. And the third one is called Offering to the Storm. And apparently they're, they're based on a series of books by a Spanish author named Dolores Redondo. She wrote these and they were, they were picked up immediately for uh, production into a seri- this trilogy of films by the same guy who picked up the rights originally to Stieg Larsson's Millennium Trilogy when it was first published. So he you was know, behind... I, mean, I, I, I know her name. And I might have met her at the Semana Negra in in, in Gijón. Okay. You know, the, the Crime Writers Festival. Oh, um, okay. Not, I, 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 because the, the title sounded familiar and, and the franchise sounded familiar, but I'm not familiar with the show or the novels. But I've met her. I've eaten with her. She's uh, the. It's called the Bastan trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I, I have met her. Okay. okay. All right. Well, anyway, they've turned it into three films. They're all. The third one is finally out this year, so they put all three on Netflix. Dubbed uh, or sub? Huh? Dubbed or sub? Uh, subtitled. Okay. And uh, they were, uh, I'll say this about the third one. The third one is, they're all about two hours long. This The last one's about two hours and 20 minutes long. It gets, they probably could have cut it back to two hours and been fine. They make it a little bit soapy, unfortunately, necessarily in that last picture. But overall, really solid, great production value, really good music just a lot of fun to watch if you like like detective like you know like modern detective thriller type films just three great movies so and then beyond that i watched uh, a jessica chastain movie about uh, a woman hired assassin that came out a couple years ago called ava which was really mediocre and disappointing i watched that film latham that joe recommended last week triple threat yeah how was that it was exactly what you, it was like a it was like a reverse expendables but with indonesian guys so okay. but it was you know it was fun for what it was and uh let's see beyond that i watched uh, i finally saw the movie clue which Dude, i had oh, never wow. i had never uh, deigned to watch but i thought you know i saw it on amazon all and i said endings. you know what uh yeah all the endings are on it they put all three at the end see at the and, theater uh, you only got one so right and then I uh, I watched uh, a movie called Switchback from oh. back in the eighties. Dennis with, Quaid. Uh, Dennis yeah. Quaid. Oh and, yeah, that's uh, got a cool twist in it. That's a good movie. Yeah. And uh, and I rewatched the movie from ninety eight with Paul Newman and Gene Hackman and Susan Sarandon, Twilight, which I which Great I ab- absolutely what? love. Whoa, what? Talk about top of the game stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all. I mean, it's like there. I mean, James. And the thing is that I totally forgot James Garner was in it, and he shows up, and I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> Who directed that? Uh, Robert Town, maybe? I think it might have been This says it's about a bunch of werewolves fighting. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Vampires. I don't get it. (laughs) I don't understand. Just awful. Just awful. Uh, Oh, Robert Robert Benton. Ah. Right, right, Ben and Newman, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, that's good stuff. There's a whole bunch of movies right around that time with Paul Newman. He did kind of leading up, unfortunately, into his end. That are, I mean, everything. He, all those movies are great. He, uh, Twilight, Nobody's Fool, Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, there's a whole bunch of those in that time where he was just he was just dynamite to watch him. And he also started working with people who were much taller than he was. He finally got to see how tiny he was. <laughs> I never, I never noticed that before. It's true. I mean, he's a little guy. Well, you got to fit in race cars. You can't be a big guy. Well, you know, Gil Gil lived two two, two doors down from him back 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 in the in the sixties. My mentor, and uh, and and he he was he was Gil was absolutely man crushed on on Paul Newman. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't be. Well, he was the original model for Green Lantern. He was Hal Jordan. Oh, okay. No, and um, you know, and he just you know he he just like he was in awe. Of, of of Newman physically and, and and that stayed on you know I love that show whereas I find Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid utterly unwatchable to me oh it's okay. glacial I think it that is. movie's overrated personally I it's incredible it's it's just a, it is just one extended narcissistic piece of shit after another <laughs> wow I've never heard anyone talk about it like that so that's cool to finally hear someone that Agree. Oh, you, you you feel it's under overrated as well? Oh yeah, I think it's completely. It's not a bad movie, but it's certainly right. not. But not a great one by any means. No, movies. no, I agree. Yep. And finally, I watched uh, A Bridge Too Far. Oh yeah, that's on Netflix. <laughs> Me too. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. That's great. I there was. I mean, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not not not. That's the third one I have not seen. I, I I'm talking. I I watched uh, the Longest Day and Battle of the Bulge. Oh okay okay. Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a whole block of those 70s and right. 80s big budget war films that I didn't see. National production. Bridge Too Far, um, Eagle is Landed. Uh, Eagles Landed is one of my favorites. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a whole bunch of them in there, and I'm just trying to go around and 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 slowly wrap all those up. But I've got I've got an entire box of that rack in DVD because that was was Laurel's idea of a perfect movie. The movie evening is Randolph Scott Western and a war picture. I'm, I'm married. To, I'm married to a 55 year old Green War veteran. It's amazing. Well, you know, we had we had Palmiotti on on the show very early on, and his film pick was Where Eagles Dare. My, which my favorite. The thing about that movie most works for me is that that shot of, of, of Burton laughing hysterically in the sidecar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was so funny in in uh, in Bridge Too Far is uh early on there's a scene in a meeting where they're explaining the whole operation to the group of the group of generals and commanders and one of the young generals is van lewin from aliens which was hysterical i'm just like hey wait a second but it's like literally every person in that movie is someone you've seen before like every actor that movie has everybody i mean even robert redford shows up eventually it's kind of amazing it's weird so uh hassan what'd you watch not much because uh it's just kind of a crazy week I finished his Dark Materials because I, you know, I only started watching it uh, last week. I finished his Dark Materials. I finished uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, next, uh, I saw the next episode of The Expanse. I watched Mission Impossible Fallout again. It's okay. so weird that that's what you chose to watch this week, because then, well, what Fallout? Well, keep talking, then I'll talk. And my okay, just weird. Go ahead. Sorry. Then I watched these. I had this weird thing that I got I went down the Titanic rabbit hole and I ended up watching uh the Titanic 20 years later documentary with uh, James Cameron who's just talking about all the mistakes he made in the movie and everything oh, that yeah. uh you know uh and then there was a Titanic the final word which I think he made at the same time 
which he he decided to relitigate the uh, the sinking and get the model get a get a um an, an animatic model perfect you know as to how exactly everything yeah. sank and everything landed on the ocean floor can't really fault him for having a strange obsession because I've got many but uh, it is it was a little like after a while like watch after like maybe four hours of watching the two documentary is like dude James like come on man Gotta, I see I see new ones pop up on. all the time on the channels and I'm just like how much more can we find out I'm like really how much more do we need to know <laughs> um, well, they wrote the Titanic I'm, in like 1982 anyway so this sounds like it's all fake news so what <laughs> They rose the Titanic. They put balafs under right. it and rose it up. Didn't you see that documentary? It's called Raise the Titanic. No, I did not. You don't yeah, know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know. What's his name? That the guy does set. What is it? Uh, Dirk, Dirk, whatever it is, Dirk Snyder or some shit like this. Dirk Pitt. No. Dirk uh, Pitt. Yeah, right. Clive Cussler. Right. That's right. That guy's name sounds like like a sound effect. That's right. <laughs> he was. And I watched a movie called The Lie. On uh, Amazon. Oh, it's a Blumhouse. One of the Blumhouse four packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was uh, that was the extent of my. Most of it has been me watching, uh, you know, YouTube or you know, background noise or watching the news, which really doesn't make for consumption. <laughs> Listing no. anything in consumption. So denial is a better pill. Lay. <laughs> yeah. I gave up on the news for this year. I refuse to watch it anymore. It's just. Too depressing. Um, I have just two main things uh, to, to what Hassan said. Uh, I just started. I I started to show my daughter uh, the Mission Impossible movies. So we started with the first one. Oh, okay. And um, oof. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I like the first one. I, I love it's the first one. It, I mean, when you watch right. the Palma directed, it's just. I mean, he's every shot matters in that movie. Every angle, and she loved it, and she. My daughter said, you know, the effects in this movie are pretty good for its time. And I agreed with her, like the whole train chase and all the stuff in the CIA headquarters. I, I, I you know, I it, it holds up over time, suspense wise and uh, effects wise. I think that scene when he breaks into CIA headquarters, that's got to be top 10 scenes of the 90s for me. I love that scene. I think it as soon as as soon as it starts, it just grabs you and won't let go. That I I just cannot I I I know and I've got a good like suspension of disbelief when it comes to movies I've I've watched a lot of crap and I've accept a lot of crap to to enjoy a film but as soon as they fly that helicopter into that train tunnel I am fucking out of there dude. well it's, just, it it is a little unbelievable it's especially when the rotors hit things at times but then the rotors yeah like it's just okay. like bing ping oh darn. That's, but, yeah, that's your just, one mulligan. That's the mulligan. That's my, that's my one thing. I go through. The rest of that picture is great. I enjoy that movie. But as soon as you get to that part, I mean, even the part where it blows up and it blows him like forward on, was it onto the helicopter? Yeah, onto the, the train. Onto the train. Yeah, that's onto the train. I even don't hate that. It's just the helicopter in the tunnel. You that did, bothers me. Why didn't they just make it a bigger tunnel so there'd be more room? I, I, don't I, got, I got to say, Steve, you're going to hate the porn version. <laughs> the what? <laughs> One version. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's only there's actually only one of those movies out of all of them that I don't like. Um, the second one. Yeah, so, yeah. The second one's not good. Born movie. No. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The what did you? I think? feel very divisive here. I'm sorry. 
No, he said Hassan said there's only one of those uh, films he doesn't like, and it's the second one of the Mission Impossible's. Yeah, yeah. The John, the John I, I totally Blue. agree. I told I told Amaya next week is uh, or the next one we watch is not. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I really disliked it. Yeah, I remember when you, me, and Carl saw that, uh, and you guys both hated it, and I was like, it wasn't that bad. It had good good action sequences. I think John Woo ruined that movie. I just don't like the way he directed it. Yeah. And, and you, Jackman, knows his career that movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because of uh, Dory Scott. Oh, yeah. Dory Scott. Yeah. That was the he was supposed to be the uh, he was supposed be to be Wolverine. Wolverine. That's right. Oh wow, I didn't know that story. Jackman got pulled out of uh, Oklahoma to play the Wolverine. Oh wow, that's interesting. Um, what uh, what else you got besides uh, Mission Impossible? And the only other thing I watch, you know, we've been watching ER from the beginning, and we yep. finally got to this episode called. Um, Loves Labor Lost. It's easily, easily top five hours of TV all time for me. I mean, it's it's about uh, a, a couple come in to have their baby and Mark Green, the lead character, sends them home. He makes a mistake and it just leads to a chain of events. And it's just the last 40 minutes of this episode are just brutal. It's just really, really difficult to watch. And it, it's it's amazing how this show would do this at times. It would just have, you know, it'd have good episodes, good episodes, good episodes. Then there'd be one that was just so stellar. And that's, that's the one I wanted to show Amaya for us starting to watch the show. And after she saw it, she's like, okay, I really like this show now. And uh, oh, good. It's, uh, it's pretty brilliant. It's called Love's Labor Lost. Um, you can watch it on its own, actually. You don't have to watch the show or know all the characters. That's first season, right? Yeah, first season. And that's all. That's all I watch. All right. Howard, uh, like I told Steve before, my wife has never seen a movie in her life until this past lockdown. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're getting this objective film festival. So, you know, a lot of what we're seeing is, you know, stuff that I haven't seen in 50 years, if at all. And this week we saw the original version of Three Godfathers with uh, Chester Morris, um, Louis Stone and Walter Brennan, which was remade 12 years later by uh, by John Ford in a much better version. The, the first version is it's kind of awful. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very much a movie of its time. It's 1936 and very unconvincing. Uh, we also saw a couple of Fritz Lang pictures. We watched the big heat and while the city sleeps, two of my favorite pictures. Um, the big sleep did not hold up as well as I remembered it, but, the, but all the city sleeps is vastly better than my memory. It's just, it's, it's packed with stuff. I mean, it's, it's George Sanders. It's just, it's really good. The only, the, the only drawback is that Danny Andrews is about 10 years too old to be playing the part that he's playing. Um, but Rhonda Fleming and, um, and, and Ida Lupino are just incredibly lubricious and hot babes of their time. Um, <laughs> we also watched, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Vikings, which I'd never watched in its original run. Mm-hmm. Came, and I watched the first couple of episodes when the first day it did nothing for me. And I got turned on my, a, a pal of mine said, watch the show. I, I started watching it. That's about a month and a half ago. I saw episode one, the, the penultimate episode this afternoon while I was making dinner, and I'll watch the last one tonight before I go to bed or tomorrow or tomorrow evening. Uh, and it's tight, it's solid, it's I mean they they do a great job. And um, of the whole series, the penultimate episode of the whole series, or just yeah, season yeah. one. No, the last uh, the last episode of season six, which is the wrap up. They so just dropped there's six seasons. Right? Um, All right. No season. spoilers. Every okay. Again, we're also in the process of working our way through Loran own pictures. We've seen five of the seven Bud Bedecker, uh Randolph Scotts. 
Um, where what's left is Buchanan Rides Alone and Comanche Station. We saw a decision at sundown this week, which is the darkest of the bunch. We, we, love, we love those pictures enormously. Um, also Near Dark, uh, which Laurel had never seen, a picture I hadn't seen in years, which didn't hold up as well as I remembered. I was disappointed by it. <laughs> not, I not, love not, not, not the not the '87 vampire movie. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. okay. We just watched that a couple weeks, a couple months ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, 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 I mean, I, I saw it in the theaters and really loved it, and it didn't hold up as well as I'd hoped. Most of Bill Bill Paxton is just he's in a different movie. He's just really fucking. <laughs> <out. laughs> and and finally. It, it, the two, the, the two things most recent is we saw the Jolson story because it's the Jolson story uh, <laughs> with, with, with my favorite blacklisted actor of the 1940s. And we watched, and tonight we watched the first episode of All, All Creatures Great and Small because we're both weepers for masterpiece theater stuff. And, you know, and, and there's no call to midwife this week. So we're, uh, you know, we're waiting on that and, um, and really dug it. And, and one of the things about watching that British TV stuff is they are, you know, for someone who's doing such shitty TV, Back in the seventies, on Masterpiece Theater, their shit looks so good. It's yeah. unbelievable. Their, their 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 lenses are fabulous. Their their production values are dynamite. There's a reason why they're stealing all the jobs because they're just they just there's something as, as trivial as this. They're, from the from the credit sequence on, it's phenomenal. Uh, if you if you have you ever seen the show The Durrells and Corfu, uh, three seasons on on Masterpiece, check out the the credit sequences on this. They're based on 1930s. Uh, travel coaches out of, out of the British railways and, and British steamship lines. Nice. Just graphically stunning. Great stuff. And it stars Keely Hawes, who I'm really fond of, who's a, an actress. She's married to Matthew McFadden. And uh, she was on MI5. And uh, she played the uh, the minister who was opposite the, what's his name on The Bodyguard, that six-episode series from last year. Oh, yeah. Right. Richard something. Rich, Rich Madden. Right. And if you haven't seen Traitors... Which is a six-episode series, one of the rare British series in which American actors are hired to play Americans. I cannot <laughs> recommend it enough. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg, um, Matt Matt Lauria, and, um, and and Andrew Benjamin Walker, who's an American actor who's waiting to be breaking out, but he just hasn't found his part yet. He played Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer, which did nothing for his career. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was he was the original lead in, in a Broadway show called Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. And he was play, played the lead in the American production of American Psycho on Broadway, the musical, which never caught traction over here. And I had tickets to see him in both and never got to New York before, before it closed. It's really worth seeing. Traitors will fuck you up. It's dynamite. Um, it's about a, an, an, a rogue OSS operation, early CIA operation against this, the, the British government after they elect so, the socialist, a socialist government in 1946. It's terrific. Okay. So it's just post-war. Just, or just uh, right yeah, 46, 46, 47. Okay. And Schulbarg, I mean, Michael Schulberg is one of those guys who's always the best guy in everything. He, he's amazing. Um, is it, it's just six episodes? Yeah. They, 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 they really didn't leave it open enough to a follow-up. Although you, you could have seen something. Okay. But it's dynamite. It's really worth seeing. So, okay. I got nothing to do but watch TV and try, and try to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> Join the club, pal. I can dig it. All right. Short and to the point. All righty. So... For Howard's first film, My Man Godfrey, from 1936, directed by Gregory LaCava, with a running time in 94 minutes. A homeless man, sought out by a young socialite as part of a scavenger hunt, gets hired as the butler for a rich Fifth Avenue family with spoiled adult children. However, is he hiding something behind that slick, well-groomed exterior? Howard, why'd you pick My Man Godfrey? Um, 
my man Godfrey is was part of a double feature. The second picture we're going to be talking about was the uh, the bottom half or, or, or the lateral half. Um, back in the in the in the late seventies, early eighties, in, in that in that pre VCR time, uh, when there were still revival theaters and and arts theaters, and I saw this as a double feature, and it blew me away. I mean, I thought it was an astonishing design picture. It was the first time I'd ever seen Carol Lombard, an actress I'd heard about but didn't really know of. Um, I knew what Powell because of the Thin Man pictures. And I knew, I'd read before I'd seen the picture that they'd been briefly married some years earlier. Um, I loved the movie, just everything about it. I, I mean, it, it featured all of the stuff that I, I mean, all that, those 1930s tropes and trinkets, Eugene Pallette as her dad, as Bullock, Franklin Pangborn as the auctioneer at the, at, at the scavenger hunting. My feeling is a Pangborn festival is, is more, 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 more on the mind than it should be. I love, you know, he, from, from spanking, you know, from, from the arrogant comedies, I don't want my picture took. You know, the, the top, that, that's him. I love, he's Franklin Francis Pangborn. He was just, just the, the nelliest actor of his time among, among, you know, like Edward Everett Horton and, and those guys, that, that, that kind of pansy brigade of actors that, that were just a great part of, of 30s comedy. It's not really a screwball comedy in the sense that it's got a, a kind of a deeper and darker story going on. Also, um, the guy who plays Tommy, um, who, who is the who's the, the Powell character's college roommate, is an English actor named <laughs> Alan Mowbray, who had, didn't have a huge career, but 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 stuck for me. Uh, when I was 13, uh, I saw him on stage in a production of a play called Enter Laughing. Uh, which is an autobiographical comedy by Carl Reiner, which starred Alan Arkin in one of his last stage performances before the stage fright that was crippling him sort of drove him away from the stage and into movies and television. And Mowbray played this, this kind of impresario of, you know, of failure. And I love Mowbray. And, and, the, the, and the, the other aspect of, of His Girl Friday is the design of the picture, starting from the credits, running to the design of the nightclub that they end up building on, on, on the pier. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Powell's. I mean, a couple of years back, Janine Bassinger's book, The Star System, um, sort of, she, she did a, a series, there was a series of biographical histories of Hollywood stars of, of, of that star system. And she, she was kind of sniffy in her, re, her, her description of, of Powell, that people were always disappointed when they had Powell to find out that he wasn't witty, he was just facetious. Uh, which I thought kind of was a <laughs> shitty thing to say, you know? Kind of like what Kurtzman said about Wallace Wood. Yeah, well. <laughs> and you know, I and I and I found I found Powell in this picture with a great deal of conviction. You know, years later when I when I began to see more silent films and I saw him as a silent film villain, um, it was fascinating to see just the difference in character and how he how he came off on screen with that voice as opposed to in silence. In Older silence sister. there was something kind Older of sister. determined and threatening about him on screen. Right. And and, and that voice made you very comfortable in his company. <laughs> and, 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 and Carol Lombard was just a, a revelation to me in this picture. She was, she was so sexy and so funny and not a kid. She's playing, she's a much older woman than the character she's playing. I believe she's, she's even, o- she's even older than the woman playing her younger sister. I yes. mean, her older sister. Yes. yes. I, mean, I, think she, I think she was, she died in 42 at 42. I believe. I think he was born in 1900. Is that right? Uh, 1901, I think. Yeah, so she, so so she's 35 years old, playing a woman in her in her in her early 20s at best. Uh, I'm sorry, she was uh, 1908, but oh, wait, okay. Well, she she still she still no spring chicken comparatively. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was only 33 when she died. Is that right? Yeah, which is just 
Yeah. Heartbreaking. And, and, and she apparently was scabrously vulgar mouth. And, uh, and I've seen some <laughs> of the outtakes, so that's kind of true. Um, but it, it, the film is just packed with great little bits of business. The, the relationship that exists between Godfrey and her mother, um, uh, the woman who played, is Gail Patrick plays her sister? Is that right? Yes, yes. And she's, she's such a twat. Uh, and she gets such a <laughs> um, and, and it just there's it's just such it's also very episodic. Um, yes, I mean there, it, it builds itself in a series of scenes, you know, in a way that movies don't do anymore. Um, you know, I, I I was who was I talking to? I was a friend of mine. I was I was recommended recommended to somebody to show their kids the Adventures of Robin Hood um, because it is so. And and I pointed out how episodic the picture was. And I realized that a lot of movies of that era really had these this kind of an approach to sort of methodical index card set pieces. Yeah. You know, building toward this idea. And, and I and I really love that aspect of the picture. It, it looks really good. And I and I have to say that the prints that I saw back in 79 or 80 when I first saw the picture were really shitty. They were just they were kind of awful. Yeah, um, I bet. I mean, you. I mean, we. There were no. There was no VCRs, and you know, we, it was before that. My, my first VCR looked like a Wallensack reel-to-reel tape recorder with a wire. On it. <laughs> you know, and, so, and, I, and I got it for porn, you know, as everybody, because <laughs> um, there really wasn't much else to get, really. But you know, Film Forum used to be on the in, in New York City used to be on the on the east side as opposed to the west side, and, uh, and it was it was a really shitty little theater on the in, in the in the East Village, and and it felt like like a college auditorium. And these pictures were a revelation. Um, with the chemistry that existed between Lombard and and Powell is just breathtaking for me. Uh, and I've seen the, I've seen both of these movies we're going to talk about at least a half a dozen times. Each. And it's not like there there's anything revelatory in seeing them again. They're just such joyful pictures. I have much more a, a much more colored feeling about the second picture than I do about this. I I love my mate Godfrey unavowedly, and the remake is just fucking awful it is with so, david Niven? oh not not june allison oh well june allison <laughs> is the is the epitome of why the fuck did this woman have a career you know? <laughs> uh, just uh, uh, the only interesting thing i've ever seen about june allison is that she was fucking dean martin behind her husband's back that was that's the that's the <laughs> that, you know uh you know you know she was married to dick powell um, but the, the, the remake is, it, it, it's the classic example of misunderstanding the value of the material. It's like those guys who tried to re- make a movie version of Maverick or a new TV series based on Rockford when the shows had nothing, there was nothing happening on the show. It was all about Garner. Gotcha. You know, Gar- Garner was the entire reason to watch the show, that everything around that was mediocre and pointless, you know? Um, and, and, th- and that's true about, about this, this picture. What makes this movie work is the chemistry of the cast. Um, I mean, everything I've learned about Eugene Pallet in over the past couple of years is that he was apparently one of the worst people alive. <laughs> but, but I mean, just an, a racist, an anti-Semite, a complete bigot, you know, <laughs> ready to hold up in the hills with guns when, 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 when the invasion came. But, I, but he's a guy I absolutely love watching on film. He's yeah. great as Friar Tuck. He's great as Nicely Nicely Johnson in, in The Big Street. I knew I knew him from somewhere. That's what... That's what, no, from, from Friar Talk. That's why I, right, that's, right. That, that, that's him. He's Friar Talk. I knew I'd seen him in something else. I had not. And, and, and of course he's in, you know, uh, Heaven Can Wait, you know, um, have you seen Heaven Can Wait? Yep. Not, not the, the, uh, uh, the Warren Baby. Oh, the, right. 
Right. The here comes Mr. Jordan. The Ernst Lubitsch picture with uh, with with Donamichi. Yes. He plays E. F. Scrabble and Charles Coburn and 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 Gene Tierney and uh, uh, and Donamichi pairing off off in a sleigh, yelling, "So farewell, dear E. F. Scrabble. We'll take Martha. You keep Mabel." You know, I just <laughs> you know, so there you go. And enough. <laughs> I. I had never seen uh, I had never seen this, and uh, this was my introduction to William Powell. And uh, really, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I immediately after I saw this, I jumped on IMDb to see. I'm like, I, I have to see if I've seen him in something. He seemed vaguely familiar, but I think it's probably just from seen seeing. The Thin Man? I've never seen the Thin Man movies. I know. I, I, I just. It's only I know. two more thing. Just the first two. The rest are shit. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well, the thing is, is that with with him, it's just fun to watch him, and li- like you said, and listen to him talk, you know. And that's part of the that's part of the really the fun part of this movie. It's like you know, it, and now we'll get into this more as we talk about and comparing it to the other one. But that that bang bang dialogue that that used to have in pictures of this era that has so completely disappeared from any sort of modern production you know, in, in any sort of regularity. Uh, and it's, it, it can be a little tiring because you really have to pay attention to every single word as it, and like every second is something going on and you can miss a sentence and that's it. You're out of the loop. You're like, wait, what are they talking about? Um, but that's part of the fun of it. I think, I think that, that and then the fact that everyone is just, everyone just comes across as so smart and like that, you know, and everything is a little, there's a little dig hidden in every line or a little joke hidden in every line or a little, a little comment. That's a reference to something else that's hidden in every line. And there's so much of that, that I really, really like, um, you know, I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, you know, he had never, uh, or he, uh, he suggested Carol Lombard for this because apparently he said early on that his, his relationship with her was very similar to uh, the characters and Irene's in this movie. He felt that she would be perfect for this. And uh, apparently, they originally talked to Gail somebody. Wasn't Janet Gaynor one of, one of the people? Janet Gaynor, that's what it was. I'm sorry. Yeah, she was the one that they uh, were originally looking at, and then uh, Powell was the one who suggested uh, Carol Lombard. And, and it took me a minute to realize too. And you know, I was about halfway through this before I realized that this was the Carol Lombard of Gable and Lombard. Right. And I didn't really know anything about her story either. Uh, when, of course, when I started to dig into things and discover, you know, that was tragically she passed away in a plane crash at 33 i mean i i i i I, it sucks thinking about stuff like that because you're like what else would we have gotten out of her in another 40 years of filmmaking you know she was a senate bathing bathing beauty too in the silence she was a hot little ticket amazing amazing and then you know and it's it's the same that leslie howard did okay yeah they both died in bond drives the uh and I and I was amazed to find out that uh, that that William Powell stopped acting in '55. He just like stopped, you know, and he was just like, "Okay, I'm done." Apparently, his last film was Mr. Roberts, and, and apparently, he had run into some problems. He felt remembering his lines or, or retaining some of his work, and he just like, you know what, I'm good. I'm I'm just gonna go and and stop doing this and enjoy my life. And he did. And, you know, that was the last thing he ever acted. And I found a great quote from him. Um, apparently someone had spoke, it was interviewed in the late seventies and it was uh, on post-retirement film offers. And he said, he goes, when an offer comes, I ask myself, why would I do it for the glory? He goes, the ham and me burned out a long time ago. He goes in the money, I just be in a higher tax bracket. So I've said no for almost 25 years. And, and that's, 
And that's just, it's a, just a, you know, it's just like, he's like, Hey, all right, I made my, I made my mark. I'm done. I'm good. I just thought that that was really refreshing, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to actually going to go and search out a lot more of his stuff because he was, he was just fun to watch. Well, uh, I, I will tell you right now that, that one of the things that we've discovered in the past, past in, in, during the, 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 the slow motion malaise based Holocaust we've been living in um, <laughs> has been that there are these, these, these big stars, but there aren't a lot of movies. They're in a lot of pictures, but a lot of them are shit. Well, they um, were grinding. I mean, the fact that they were well, they were grinding these things out in like a month or two. Well, Powell also and MGM became a brand. I mean, with the success of The Thin Man, the studio just started looking for leading men who reminded people of, of, uh, of William Powell. Uh, the, the careers of Melvin Douglas, Robert Montgomery. Wow. I'm sorry, Ro- Robert Young, uh, uh, Melvin Douglas and Francia Cone. We're all hired to play the same character in three different movies, paired up with with Madeline Carroll, Joan Bennett, and Rosalind Russell, playing rare book collectors who were very much based on the Nicanora Charles model from The Thin Man, um, as tryouts for them as actors to work in these low budget. They were seventy minute long. They were programmers. Okay. Uh, Powell made a lot of movies, many of which are just awful. Okay. <laughs> um, you want to see the first two Thin Man pictures? You want to see Mr. Roberts. See Mr. You want Roberts. To see a really curious picture of Mr. Roberts. You did see it. Yeah. Oh, oh you did see it. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Roberts. Uh, I, Mr. Roberts. I got. To, I found. I discovered at the end that I had seen Mr. Roberts. I just couldn't remember him in right, it. Okay. Good because he doesn't. He's become an old man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thing, you know? But there's a movie called Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid. Okay. But I was obsessed with as a little boy. Uh, he plays a guy who discovers a mermaid in his pool. And no one believes him. And the mermaid is played by Glynis Johns, um, who was a woman who worked way, way into her 70s, by which time she was, she was the one who introduced the song in Sending the Clowns in, in, in Little Night Music. But like Judy Dench and like uh, uh, Helen Mirren and um, um, just up there, like Elizabeth Taylor in her youth, she was just drop dead gorgeous. She's yeah. just an elfinly beautiful woman. So see that as well. Okay. I'm glad you dug it. No, I, I had a I had a blast watching it. It was just it was, it's funny. Like I said, to, you watch those movies from that period, and yeah, I and I've seen them. I've seen a few, and it's like you forget about that delivery and that how they used to shoot those scenes where that dialogue where everything ran so tight. You know, there weren't these pauses. People didn't consider things before they talked. They just had that answer immediately available for them and just went. And it was just it's so much fun to watch that sort of interaction. You're also dealing with an attentive audience. You're dealing with an audience that is available to the experience because there's no other distraction. Right. Um, you know, you're also dealing with an audience that is, that is attuned to understand stuff visually and, and, and verbally because of radio. You know, right. They're, right. You know, they're, they're, they're used to um, verbal text. Right. Which can, to carry the information. Right. So, Latham? Uh, well, I agree with Steve's first statement. I think the whole reason I enjoyed watching it at all was because of Powell. I mean, he's whenever he's on screen, he just commands everything with his delivery and how everything he does is perfect when he's the butler. And, you know, I almost wanted him to stay stay with the beard because I liked him when he had the beard on at the beginning. And then, <laughs> you know, the, obviously I got the point of the movie by then, but I, I mean, he's just there's just certain actors that have a commanding presence to them. And he's, he's one of them. I mean, he, he barely has to try and you, you know, you, you pay attention to whatever he does. 
you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't say I loved it. Um, it's probably a, uh, partly because of the, as we always say, we're, we're trying to place ourselves in the time frame of when the film came out and what it would be like to see it back then. You know, like Steve said, a, a lot of these movies in this time, you know, the dialogue was really like back and forth, crisp, and it's, it seemed very, I don't know what the word for it would be, maybe meticulous. Um, I, I personally don't like that kind of dialogue. I wish it would be more fluid. And it, to me, at times, it seemed like I felt like I was watching uh, a long dialogue script at times. It, not not too often, but just to the point where I, I wish there was more like scene action instead of just talking. And I get, you know, I get the the satire of it and, and what the, you know, the, what the director's trying to say with the different classes. And that was cool. I would, you know, I, I, I think it, it loses me sometimes when they keep talking for a long time. I'm not good with movies where the dialogue just carries on and on and on. And I think Steve said too, like, if you, if you, if you're not paying attention, you miss one line, you're like, Whoa, you have to almost back up. Unfortunately we have the luxury of that by watching this on, on a platform, but um, have you seen my dinner with Andre Latham? I have not. I know it's two people at a table okay. talking the entire <laughs> for two hours. For me, it's all about the, my dinner with Andre action figures from Waiting for Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's not. I mean, there's there's movies where it's all dialogue that I love too. I just I think it's the you know the historical context. I, I thought the scenes in the 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 dump scenes were really fantastically filmed. I mean. And that opening credit sequence, if that, I mean, yeah, that really stood that out back in a theater back in the thirties. I mean, that's gotta be really just grab you like, Whoa, what are we doing? You know, yeah. what are these guys? nobody was doing that. that. That was really cool. And you know, all the performances are great. All the actresses are great. All the sisters, the guy who, uh, who played, is he the father or is he the husband of in the household? I found that guy kind of annoying. The raspy voice yeah. guy? Yeah. Oh, that, I love that guy. That's the guy we were talking about. Uh, Eugene Pallet. Yeah. Eugene Pallet. He didn't, he didn't really do it for me. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to see older films so you get the context of where they fit in cinema history. And, I mean, this is con- I didn't know what this was considered. If I haven't seen a film, I'll watch it. Then I'll start looking up reviews and stuff. And I didn't realize it was considered like a classic was nominated for a lot of Oscars. And uh, so, you know, I understand its place in, uh, in history and why it's, why it's an important movie. Strangely enough, it didn't, uh, I don't think it got nominated for best picture that year. It got nominated all the actors and the director, but not best. Picture. That's my understanding. This is the only film to receive Oscar nominations for writing, directing, and all four acting awards without being nominated for best picture. And the only film to have that distinction until American Hustle in 2013, which was nominated for Best Picture. What's well, oh, is that that bad movie with uh, Amy Adams? No, American Hustle is uh, Bradley Cooper and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. It it was the fa- it was the one Amy that uh, David Do- It was David O. Russell yeah. did it after uh, after Amy Silver. Too, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, maybe I I don't know I don't remember. Yeah, she she. Is. You didn't you didn't you didn't like it. No, nah, that movie was, it was like he just said, oh, we just made Silver Linings Playbook. Let's all get the gang back together and then we'll just write something real quick 
and we'll throw you out there and you can do it. And movie just oh, it was not I didn't like that. I love when other people see movies that I've seen and it's a totally different movie for them. <laughs> I, I didn't it was okay. It wasn't bad. I just I you know I couldn't believe it was nominated for best oh it was nominated for best picture. But, yeah, it was. Oh it was. Okay. So yeah, well, I didn't like that movie. Um, but um <laughs> yeah, fuck that movie, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this is, you know, it, seeing this is like an important part of people who are trying to experience all decades and forms of cinema. I think it's an important movie to see. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's definitely tight and it's uh, it's rarely, I would say rarely boring. It'll keep your attention. It's not that long either. So uh, I would recommend people to see it. I just probably didn't take to it as much as other people did. Okay. Hassan? Yeah. I keep. I was. You, you've I, you've had time to prepare. I, I did. I, had a lot of time. I didn't. You know, the truth is, I didn't see either of these movies, and uh, you know, my TV's broke, and uh, there's there's water in my living room, and then none of these excuses work. Um, Son, I, I think would, I would recommend lying and pretending you'd seen both. Yeah. Nah. I I I think what happens of. Uh, the the unfair thing that happens with these films and that's i try that's that's why i really try to to be objective about it because like a comment like man it's an old movie and i didn't expect it to be that good you know is kind of a dick thing to say about a movie (laughs) so you know so it's it's so i'm trying to like you know well now I know for a fact, and I've I, I know this every time I go into an older movie, a quote unquote older movie or black and white movie, that they're way better written and way better structured than ninety percent of the movies that we watch on a regular basis today. However, it's always like a surprise, always like a revelation, even though I know it, you know. And and so that's like it's kind of like it's really condescending. It's like when you have a, a precocious kid. And they're they're a smart ass, but it's cute because they're you know because they're twelve years old, and any you know and a forty year old guy you'd punch out you know, but the kid was cute because he says so. It's like watching this movie. It's like oh, this is to punch out the kid though. It well, you know, you don't want to go to jail. That's 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 the thing. Um, and grandchildren, I know these things. Yeah. It's a it's a 1930s movie, and it's like wow, this is really now. It's, I only had one issue with the film really. And I'll get to it. But yeah, just like you, you said, Steve, it's like this really sharp, snappy dialogue. It gets you locked in right away. And like it starts right out with uh, and the beginnings of movies and beginnings of any story is, is really difficult. Um, but this one's like, you know, you just see uh, you just see Powell and he's like and they're making this they're, they're making light of being, you know, homeless, basically to making like these really uh uh, these really clever homeless jokes, the forgotten men. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get to that till until until the the rich show up, you know, until you get to bonfire the vanities kind of moment there, and uh, <laughs> and it's like okay, like I forgot one one thing that Powell said. The, the guy says, uh, you know, like uh, stardom's waiting around that corner, but I've been waiting, you know, I've, I've, we've been looking, we've been waiting for that to come around the corner for a long time. Yeah. And so, like right away, and I'm, and I remember sitting there going, "Huh, I like that," you know. And that was it, you know. And then the ball started rolling after that. And after that, Kyle Lombard and uh, and her older sister, her dick sister, shows up. Um, <laughs> and then the, you know the, the 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 
you know, and, and, and of course, Carol Lombard's character is like, first of all, she's hot, but then second of all, she's like kind of goofy and that's always even more attractive. You know, she's goofy and not afraid to show that she's a goofball and probably, you know, like probably a little touched in the head, you know, and, uh, we used to call a sport. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we don't want to get canceled, but, um, uh, so it's, uh, so that so the whole situation, Powell knocks her sister into the you know into a, a, a dung pile, and then uh, Carol Lombard basically falls in love with him right then and there because I guess no one's ever stood up to her sister in her entire life, and so the ball starts rolling after that. It kind of goes in some weird places, but it's kind of it's it's not um it's it's uh you're it's kind of got your confidence by then, so you you're just willing to go along with it where you know like. Like Powell should, like Godfrey shows up and he's all cleaned up, and then he has this this really snappy dialogue. That's another great thing about these movies is that nothing really is is required to lead anywhere. Like he can have this kind of this really uh, sharp interaction with the maid, and it doesn't become another plot thread. It's just it's just she's you know she's just the smart ass maid, and you know. <laughs> And it doesn't. It's not leading to like they they secretly have an affair, but then you know, but uh, Carol Lombard is like jealous, and none of that stuff happens. We don't really have not much time because there's so much movie in the movie that there's not time for any of those like kind of antics. It it's really punchy, really fast paced, really funny. A lot of it's really funny. I I I would say they they go over the top with the family, but I've I've known too many rich families and they they actually toned it down in some cases in some respect with the exception of the horse which is just a gag yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know <laughs> the horse uh, in the library yeah it was just kind of a gag but it was it was pretty cute so yeah i i my grandfather was i don't know if i'm blowing up his uh his situation my grandfather was a carol lombard fan so i saw a lot of these like a lot of her movies are not that great um uh, but I've seen a lot of them, but I forgot all about her. Like I forgot how kind of great she was. Like you know, to do this kind of three, stuff. We only made three good movies. Yeah, <laughs> and two of them we watched, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I mean, it's worth it to 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 you know to see her and uh, it it it's this is two in the row because I I we watched um. We watched it's a wonderful life recently, and so it's these are, it's two of these kind of movies from this era from this except this is this is kind of post world war two and the it's a wonderful life was just after world war two but it's you know these like nineteen forties nineteen fifties like early early fifties era movies that are just really like hidden they're not hidden gems they're hidden gems to people from my generation who uh are too are too proud to watch you know stuff without cgi in it it started off uh yesterday because i saw this movie yesterday i watched it uh monday it started off like a hysteria to see as many of these movies in the many of these classic movies from this era as possible just for just for a a reawakening of like actual plot driven writing and you know genuine stories and you know, basically movies and stories are about relationships for the most part. A lot of people forget that. And there are no relationships in, in a lot of modern movies. And so, um, you know, this has like kind of a through line of, of Lombard's, uh, you know, obsession with Godfrey 
which is kind of cute, but but a lot you know a little disturbing at the same time. And uh, basically, his the the relationship him from his perspective, the third eye perspective of the relationship between everybody in the family, and it's just like a fantastic study of how you know something as simplistic as that can be done to you know to such a level of in my opinion excellence um so uh in other words i i really liked it <laughs> I, was, I, was kind of a, I was a fan of the film um i want to get the the criterion uh version of it you have you have not seen this before though not not this one no okay okay um i've oh, yeah. heard of it i've heard of my man uh my you know my man godfrey i've heard of it a bunch of times and i yeah. had a completely different a, a completely different notion of what the movie was about you know before i saw it what did you think Go ahead, was, howard sorry what do you think it was about uh, i thought i thought he was a i thought it was a spy movie you know i thought he worked for uncle <laughs> i'm just kidding but i thought i i actually thought it was kind of a one of those uh one of those kind of spoof spy movies, like a, like a comedy. And then oh, when I watched, I was like, no, this is, yeah. This, I was like, this is completely different from what I thought it was, but this, you know, so it was, it was pretty great. I enjoyed it. So spoiler alert. I enjoyed both movies tonight. So there won't be, there won't be any <laughs> shit comments from me about, oh, I can't believe you stabbed her in the vagina. You know, I, there won't be any of that. Uh, <laughs> always back to solange (laughs) that's that i think i i'm sorry that episode that 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 episode of sentimental uh really scarred me so (laughs) so every now and then we'll we'll hear about that i love my ignorance in this (laughs) we'll we'll fill you in (laughs) the 72 giallo italian uh production called what have they done to solange that we did a couple uh months ago from like 72 and uh has a guy killing women by sticking knives in their hoo-hahs in their private parts yeah and we watched that right after shiver right i watched it right i watched them back to back so after getting over shivers uh you know then i watched i went right into what i went right into vagina stabbing and i was like i'm 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 ruined. I'm mentally ruined this oh, evening. Yeah, we got to get Darren back on here. Yeah. <laughs> As Steve knows, I'm not a horror person. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a, a really enormous sissy when it comes to horror stuff. That's Neither am I. Neither yeah. am I. <laughs> Useful scalp and cowboy pictures. That's what <laughs> All right. And from there, we will move on to Howard's uh, second pick, Nothing Sacred, from 1937, directed by William Wellman. A young woman from Vermont thought to be dying finds out she's not. However, before she can make it known, she's whisked off to New York to be showcased as an example of a heartwarming tale of bravery in the face of death. Of course, the newspaper sponsoring her isn't quite aware of the situation, and once it's out, how will they, the city, and the reporter who have fallen in love with her deal with the news? Howard, nothing sacred. This Explain is yourself, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, the reason I consider this picture secondary to my man Godfrey is its male lead. I regard Frank Frederick March as a fucking lox. I just do. Um, oh, wow. There's he, the movie has so much going for it. It's it's a it's actually a better script than My Man Godfrey. It's it's a Ben Heck script. It fucking blazes. It's got John Quaylen, and I'm I'm a guy who wants a, a coffee table book of the films of John Quaylen. He's the guy who plays 
the Norwegian fireman at the end of the movie. He's in every movie oh. ever made in the 1930s. I know I've seen that guy before so he's something. The, he's the guy inside the, the hidden in the desk in my in, in his girl Friday. There you go. That's he's, what it is. He's the guy, he's the guy ghosting around the around his land in in uh, the in, in the Grapes of Wrath. He's in all Henry Fonda's movies. He was a Palafonda's, and he shows up in all those movies. You know, he's in he's in Big Hand for the Little Lady. He's one of the uh, one of the one of the gamblers. Okay, but then you have Frederick March, and Land Lombard is so good in this picture, and Frank Fay with the Heroines of History sequence in the nightclub with Show Him the Finger is just. I mean, I'm dying. <laughs> the movie is just a complete pisser, and every time March shows up, he's in a different movie. <laughs> um, he is just he he just is not a, he does not strike me as a, a leading man available for comedy every time i see this movie and I, like i say i've seen this picture a good half dozen times i wonder how much better this picture would have been with raymond land or oh, yeah. fred murray you know or robert montgomery you know uh or melvin douglas for fuck's sake you know who could who, ha- who would have that that kind of easy slide and back and forth relationship with lombard and the other thing about the movie that, that I do love is Walter Connolly, the guy who plays the editor of the paper. Oh, right. Connolly is an actor who died very young. I, I assume he died in a state of dyspepsia because he just, <laughs> his, his entire performance is like everything he does, he looks like he's someone who shoved the firecracker up his ass and he's trying to figure out how to get his pants in. You know, it's just, ah! you know. And significantly, he played Nero Wolf as well in one of the two pictures that, that, that featured Nero Wolf. Oh, wow. There it is. He played Nero Wolf. The other one was Edward Arnold playing the part. And Arnold and Connolly often played the same sort of parts. Newspaper editors, men of power and prestige, who were secretly completely insane. Um, and the picture is so, it's William Weldon, um, and the picture just glides along, and, and, and it, it fights, it wrestles with the presence of Frederick March, to me. Um, the, but Lombard, for me, is better in this picture than she is in My Man Godfrey, I think. She's gorgeous looking. Charles Winninger is a great, a great, a great, you know, you know, the guy who plays a Vermont doctor. Slapsy Maxie Rosenblum. I mean, the guy who plays the place, my brother, the guy, the guy, the, 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 the guy who works the, uh, the, well, right. you know, the lo- loading dock. That's Max Rosenblum, who's a, back in the day when boxes were all Jewish. Okay. And Slapsy Maxie Rosenblum was, was a, was a club fighter. He was a, a Hollywood hanger on him and Mike Mazurki and all these cats. And Rose, Maxie Rosenblum had a nightclub on La Brea that, that, down the street from Xavier Kugatz, you know, and Trader Vicks, okay? And, and, and Maxie, he was just, everybody knew Slap, Slapsy Maxie Rosenblum, okay? Um, the picture is just so packed with incident, and it's in its own way, it's as, it's, it is as episodic as, as my man Godfrey. But I keep coming back to the fact how much better the picture would have been Frederick March had not done it. Significantly, two nights after we saw uh, My Man, saw Nothing Sacred, we watched I Married a Witch, okay, which is a picture uh, based on a Thorne Smith novel. Um, Thorne Smith had a certain heat back then. They did the Topper movies and then the Topper television series. Mm-hmm. And if this were video, I would do my Leo Drew Carroll impression, but I'm not going to do it for you guys. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know <laughs> it's involved doing this. Um, and um, and again, March is playing a comic lead opposite Veronica Lake. And I turned to my wife after seeing this, because we'd seen My Man Godfrey and His Girl Friday, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and, and uh, Nothing Sacred a couple nights earlier. I said, they must not, 
they must not have been able to get Carol Lombard to play this part because Veronica Lake is playing Carol Lombard in, in My Married Witch, and Frederick March is in another movie entirely. Um, the other thing about about Nothing Sacred is it's in Technicolor, and it's and the the print that you finally have gotten to see is actually a good print. The one I saw back in 1980 looked like it was done with watercolor paint. Okay. Mm. <laughs> The, and I mean, the, they, they definitely did hand tinting on those overflight shots of the airplane o- over New York City. Oh, yeah. But the, <laughs> the rest of it was shot on a lot. And talk about credit sequence. They, you know, they, the, do, doing the, the cartoon figure, the card figures, the, 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 the clay, yeah. the clay, the figures, just, it's, it's such a great little picture. And um, it was really again, short, too. Well, like, they're they're both pretty. Yeah, it, it's what seventy minutes long, barely yeah. seventy-seven, and it's it's funny because it actually doesn't even meet the criteria for technically being a feature film at the time. It was uh, it's eighty minutes was the limit, and if you were right. under eight minutes, you weren't considered a feature. So, and just the the movie is a complete and total delight for me. It's just it it's serpentine. Every every bit of business has a payoff. You know, it's it's written in such a way that it was clearly rewritten brilliantly. That a first draft of that script clearly came down. They went back and repeppered and rebuilt all that expository stuff to build in, and it's just dynamite. It's a beautiful picture, and I cannot. And, and it was remade with Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, and with me, Mar- Dean Martin playing the Charles Winninger part, and Jerry Lewis playing the, the Carol Lombard part. Not a joke. <laughs> um, and and it was a musical on Broadway called Hazel Flag, which I know nothing about. I'm not wow. even sure an original cast album exists. It's a picture that begs to be remade. Uh, it would be a natural remake for for, for someone like uh, like Anna Faris, who oh yeah, has fi- maybe has will finally find someone who can get her get her career back on track and not make the fucking moron, moron choices that trash her career. <laughs> I, I love that woman, but she is she is to a great extent the modern day equivalent of what Lombard did and does. You know, she's yeah. just terrific. So there you go. Yeah, I was watching this. I actually watched this a little while ago, uh, and a, a couple hours ago, and I, uh, yeah, it's a far in. You know, it was weird because watching it, it was strange, and it might just because of the copy that I was able to actually see on Amazon compared to the restored version of my man Godfrey, which was much clearer, the one that's on Amazon. Uh, but honestly, it felt, it felt like an older movie than my man Godfrey did just, and it's not only the look, but just the structure of it and everything else about it. It felt more like a thirties picture than Godfrey does. And, you know, and I think, you know, you're, I think you're a hundred percent right with the Frederick March thing. I think that's maybe the reason why I did also didn't like it quite as much because he did kind of feel out of place. Uh, and I actually just I was just writing this thing about Ben Hecht writing the role. He, apparently he wrote this for John Barrymore, but Selznick right? Selznick would uh, refuse to hire him due to Barrymore's drinking, at which point then Hecht refused to work on any more of the drafts and quit the film. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. So wait, so that so the movie that we got was kind of a was technically an unfinished script. Or an, uh, you know, no, I think he. I think he said he said refused to work on any more drafts. So I'm sure he probably completed a draft. So I'm, you know, I'm sure that they worked with, you know, they had a completed draft to work with. Oh, and, just... and remember, in those days, the, the writing was just. I mean, the schmucks, the schmucks with Underwood stuff really did play. Yeah, so, um, I mean, they, you had you had people banging away at drafts left and right. Yeah, this is uh, Carol Lombard's only color film, only Technicolor film. But yeah. uh, and it's funny because her hair wasn't showing up. 
very well. Her normally platinum blonde locks weren't showing up well on the on the Technicolor shoot, so they reddened them slightly so that it would show up clearer. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I enjoyed the movie. I kept waiting. You you know you you know where it's going. You know you get the idea. Okay, someone clearly eventually they're going to find out that she's not sick and it's all going to come crashing down. But the kind of the way they the way they get around it when they finally when it finally comes up and the way they they eventually get around it. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't really feel like it pays off quite well enough compared with how much time they have setting everything up. But, but like an elephant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like an elephant. Yeah. I want to just go off and die on my own like an elephant. <laughs> that was funny. I got that one. But uh, <laughs> uh, I loved, I loved, loved, loved the fact that he walks into that, that, little, that little store in Vermont at the very first thing, and there sits Margaret Hamilton. I absolutely love that that little cameo she had. I mean, I don't want to call it a cameo, but she has this the little role she had is that yep, yep, nope. <laughs> I myself have never been to Vermont, but <laughs> that's the way things are. It's kind of funny. Uh, the sequence, the other, the, the thing was, I thought I was in good in good place right at the beginning because that scene right at the beginning where he he gets uh, sort of. Uh, cast down to the obits editor position and he's sitting at that desk and it's every single the next seven people who come by him either spill something drop something or move him in some fashion and i'm just like that little sequence in and of itself is brilliant i love that little set piece but uh once he goes upstairs and he, he makes his plea and goes on and we jump into the rest of the movie and it's just you like you said it's 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 definitely inferior to my man godfrey um i did still enjoy it it was still fun to watch um I didn't. It didn't. It didn't grab me the way that Godfrey did. Where Godfrey like grabbed me right away, sucked me into the story, and I ne- and never let hold. Where this, I had to. I had to watch it. And I and I insist that that, that that's all on Frederick, Frederick March's feet. That another male lead would have saved the picture. It would would have made it a better experience. I yeah. Hassan. Um, I think the thing that uh, kind of makes it, the whole thing. Is, sort of charming it's a, it, is that it was like a double blind because she doesn't know that they think that they're doing all this because they think she's dying until you like she figures that out like you know not not late but she figures it out later than it's not like she embarked on that journey nefariously you know so that that kind of saves it you know that that kind of saves her character from from being you know like mischievous uh, keeps and it, uh, it allows her to keep her innocence. I saw this movie. I didn't. I didn't see the whole movie. I saw the scene. I saw the punching in the face scene when I was a kid, <laughs> uh, and I didn't realize it until I saw. It. I was like, "Oh my god, this is that movie." Um, <laughs> Trauma. I wa- yeah, I I walked in on that scene. My grandfather was watching it uh, in the in the living room, and I walked in on that scene. I didn't remember it was Carol Lombardo, but I just remember there was a woman. Lombardo. <laughs> Lombard. Well, that's, 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 excuse me, Lombard. Um, now you, sorry. Screw up my train of thought, jerk. Uh, <laughs> keep your mouth shut, Steve, and let me finish my, my dissertation. Grandpa, um, a Lombard, sponge face. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Now it's coming back. It's coming back. My my one of my best friends is Carol uh, is a uh, Tara Lombardo. That's why I did that. Um, so I, I come into the living room and she's and there's there's this woman in a bed 
with like a with a what is that on her head? It was like a ice ice pack ice pack on her head, and uh, and then he just kind of slaps the ice pack off her head, and then they <laughs> they hit into a fight. And I remember as a kid, like, what the hell is it? <laughs> and my grandfather is on the, the sofa howling, you know, because it's it's the funniest <laughs> thing he's ever seen. And he almost he literally laughed so hard when he when uh, when when March punched her. He literally laughed so hard that he stopped laughing. Like he he was he couldn't make any sound. So he was just like <laughs> frozen. He was in the throes of laughter. And my I remember my mom was like, This movie is disgusting. And she she dragged <laughs> me out of the living room. So and I never knew what movie that was until until I watched I this this movie I watched tonight. So I was like it's like you know, and that, that memory was pretty sharp. So uh, you know, it took a few minutes for me to recover. So Thanks a lot, Howard. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that traumatic experience. <laughs> for the awakening. here for you in this regard. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, um, the, for the awakening. <laughs> yes. I was like, well, this this hurts. Um, I I I agree with you. It's 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 somewhat an inferior movie. I do. I would not have been able to without your uh, without your observations. I probably wouldn't have been able to pinpoint it to to March exactly why this is an inferior yeah, movie to, but i could see that i could definitely see it because he the the, the film does crawl until he just kind of casually comes upon her while she's going into the doctor's office you know and so and then that's when it starts to kind of i mean it, it crawls until he gets to warsaw you know and uh and and so there's he, he's got other things other other props and other cameos to to kind of work off of and then, and then when Carol Lombard, when Lombard, almost did it again. When she shows up, it, the this film starts to pick up. Although Doctor Enoch was was a treat, you know. I don't know why he couldn't stand on his own whenever he was emotional with someone. Because <laughs> they did that two times, uh, the, you know. Um, it was really subtle when she's he's yelling at uh, Carol in the hotel room. And he he just starts to lean forward. She has to reach out and stop him from falling over. And I don't know what that gag was, but it's fantastic. I think, I think, that, I think that's a Winnie gag from this Broadway day. <laughs> it's, that, that seems like a distinct possibility. It's fit, and it's so. And I mean, they don't make anything of it. It happens two times with March and one time with Carol, and they 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 don't they mention it again. I uh, the the last minute gag of. Uh, of the 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 hotel is flooded. I don't know that that joke didn't quite land with me. Yeah. I think they just they tacked <laughs> that on. It's kind of like what I was gonna say when I forgot to say it about um about Godfrey. It's just like they the kind of that weird ending, that kind of weird Dickensian ending where he he gave all the homeless guys a job in his casino. He built a he became a developer again and built a casino technically with money he embezzled from 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 the other family it's like borrowed, wait a minute borrowed yeah borrowed. right right got it well he saved the family so that's it right. was okay right. for him to take his little commission out of there but i don't know if that would have worked in real life um and i don't know what kind of message that was that that, that all of a sudden these these homeless guys are like bellhops and and doormen and stuff like jobs. So, yeah but you know which, but the, the man is still on the ground floor. You know, the, the man is still pulling the strings. Someone, there's still a tycoon somewhere pulling their strings. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's well, still they, great. They, it's, the one guy who didn't, wasn't brought in to write, work on the scrivener's clip at Odette's. 
You know, he he, he would have taken care of a lot of your issues with that. You know, yeah. why do you call lefty? Strike, 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 strike. <laughs> You know, it's funny uh, listening to you talk about the Frederick Marx thing. It made me think it was almost like he was being a straight man without any comedic side man. Mm. You know, he had no one. I mean, Carol Lombard yeah. is there at, as like being that character, but it's not like she's the comedic half of a two man team. She's you, just you look, at, you, you look at the chemistry she has with Powell and you look at the chemistry she has with, of all people, Jack Benny in To Be or Not To Be which is the third, a, a phenomenal movie. If you've not seen To Be or Not To Be, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Okay. Um, and and ben, you look at this movie, you'll come away with two things. A, this this what you said earlier, that th- this woman's career was cut off short just like that. And B, why didn't Jack Benny ever become a major player in movies? Because he's great in that picture. It's really good. It's really worth seeing. The remake with Mel Brooks and Ann Bancroft yeah. sucks yeah. dick. Just yeah. like the remake, my man got. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like the the Mel, Mel Brooks movie, but uh, never mind. Um, Look, the best thing about that picture is Georgia Brown and Polish. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm not gonna argue. Uh, one one thing, one one more thing. I was gonna say, I, I a thoroughly sharp movie, really short, um, which is good for tonight because I I. I managed to fit it in there. I almost didn't get it in there. And I was like, oh, it's only an hour. This is awesome. I'm good. I'm all good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Carol Lombard, like, I've, you know, two two movies with her in, in in two days. Now I'm a huge fan. I'm. It's really sad. It's really tragic that uh, not only that she died yet so young, but the way she died, that's 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 no good. That's yeah. that kind of depressed me. You know, pretty well, sharply. It was, it was a rough year. She and then um, Leslie Howard and uh, and Pat Swan. They all died. Yeah. They all died months of each other. And then I and I didn't bring it up in the uh, the other half, but it's like the story about William Powell's son. You guys know that. Yeah. No, so know. so William Powell had a son uh, with his first wife Eileen, <clears throat> who apparently was a screenwriter in Hollywood for a while. Uh, worked on some some TV uh, TV episodes in the fifties. Uh, ended up getting was suffering from depression and ended up killing himself in 1968, you know, and left a letter, you know, you know, left a letter in the last line of the letter. You know, he left a four page letter to his dad and you know, the last page of the last line of the letter was like, I'm just going to someplace, hopefully someplace it's better. Jeez. Yeah. I, I was just like, Oh, cause I was, cause I was, as soon as I found out about him and the fact that he had retired so young, I was like, well, I wonder if he had any kids and if they're still around or, you know, or how that kind of moved forward. And I, he had the son and, and I was like, Oh, geez. All right. Well. Yeah. That's, don't, don't ever look these things up. That's what, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that rather puts a damper on the evening. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was looking at the, um, Lombard's, uh, uh, you know, credits, list of credits for a bunch of movies. And then like, like, it, only... it stops. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just comes to an abrupt end. Yeah, and I'm like, crazy. why is that? And then you, then you find out it's like, Oh yeah. man. Like, uh, yeah. Um, so I don't think I like this movie very much, but what I did like about it are all these moments that seem to be outside the box. And I'll give you some examples in the scene where, they're bringing out all the heroic women on stage <laughs> and they bring out Pocahontas <laughs> and she looks and they show the native American guy in the tuxedo and they like focus on it. And I'm just like, 
why are they doing that? That's so weird, but I loved it. I, you guys remember that? that yes. Yeah. It's just like, that was really like unique and cool. When they go into the crate on the dock, they keep the shot on their feet and they're just, yeah. their feet are sticking out of the box. And then just, I mean, very slowly it goes around the crate and then you can see them in the crate. I thought that was just, you know, that's someone who's like trying to do something unique with the camera. I thought that was awesome. And I think there's a fourth wall break in this movie by Carol, Lomb- Carol Lombard, right? Doesn't she, isn't there a moment where I can't remember the exact line. She says something. It looks like she's looking right at the camera. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty out there for a movie from 19, what is it, 37? 37. I wish I would have remembered what it was, but I'm like, is that a fourth wall break? Wow. Uh, and there's all little moments like that in the film. The, the aerial shots of New York City, I mean, they're just awesome. I mean, that, you know, for that time, getting those shots, that's great. Um, I figured the sky riding was a little wonky. I figured but, those yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little like oh come on. I mean, they, they got away with it. I'm sure back then that people are like, well, that's no, it was it that. was like it's a it's very charming, but it was kind of it was one of those where it's like a you know a helicopter in the tunnel for for me, you know, like yeah. I just assumed those aerial shots were like stock. Uh, oh, maybe maybe they stock, were stock, I, I stock, Ze- stock Zeppelin footage or something coming oh, into New okay, York. Okay, that that makes sense. I just and then, then hand painted. Yes, yeah, because when I, when they showed that shot came up, it reminded me of a scene I've seen before or a photograph that I've seen before. Exactly that same angle, exactly that height or that elevation of the shot of the bottom of the of the island. Sorry, but, no. There's uh, trying to think what else. You know, it's a farce, and that I like that. I like I like the story. It's it's decent. I I didn't like. I thought that last joke really thudded. Wow! <laughs> like, oh man, you needed the hotel flooded. Yeah, <laughs> man, I, I didn't. I felt I like it belonged that. in a. Well, I know. I felt like that was the kind of thing you drop at the end of like a Laurel and Hardy movie or at yeah. the end of an Abbott Costello movie. It's but. But again, that, that 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 that's a perfectly viable thing to say about this movie because it fits into the same same, same kind of universe. I mean, I don't, I don't think I don't, do, I don't think you can separate one from the other. I think uh, it is just as foolish and 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 fantastical as those ideas. But it, I mean, it, now, look the, the bit that Le- Le- Latham mentions with the with the Native American and and Pocahontas <laughs> that was as as that, that was like a New Yorker cartoon. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> It's just the other, so the other jokes don't point them. at themselves. They don't like what? that. That was the only oh, joke. Heroines in the- of history. Show us the finger. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and John Quaylen as the, as the, you know, as the comic opera, Norwegian fireman. I mean, oh, just, God. And, 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 and Charles Winninger with, you know, you know, just, just but it wasn't, just a lot of cards. I like all that stuff. That was great. All the little, yeah. All the little things they threw in to make this unique, I liked. I just didn't like the nor. I, I mean, I didn't mind March. He was fine. Uh, I he didn't. He, it didn't grab me like uh, my man Godfrey. I guess. I think it comes down to chemistry. I think Howard said, uh, yeah. nailed it. it the what? Just, I think. It, I think it comes down to exactly what Howard said. It's a lack of chemistry. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't. It's certainly not the same chemistry in the first film. I, I, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave you with this. I mean, uh, Steve, you got to see those first two Batman pictures, particularly the first one. Okay. It's a. Uh, it's it's seventy five minutes long. Made made in six days, on the cheap, and made it made him a fortune, and made stars of both him and Nerno Loy. And you've also got to see To Be or Not To Be, which is a 1942 or 43 picture by Lubitsch um, about a, a Shakespearean company in Warsaw un, un, under, the, under the attack of the Nazis and how they deal with it. It's, it's uh, Jack Benny, Carol Lombard, Robert, a young Robert Stack, Sig Ruman. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenal picture. It's a dark comedy. And, and you look at this picture and if you have any, any memory at all, you, you, a lot of you guys are too young to remember this, you remember Jack Benny at all from television? Yeah. Wonder why he made a couple of movies. And this picture, he's really good. He's a good actor. He's got a great screen presence. And I just, no idea why he never never followed through. Really worth seeing. Trust me. Oh, Lombard is breathtaking in this picture. She's, you know, just fantastic. Okay. I've uh, you have never put po- you've never pointed me wrong, Howard. I uh, the, the some of the things that you've mentioned on either posts or in discussions we've had over the years, and I've gone back eventually and finally managed to either watch or track down. Um, I, I I've never been let down by. So uh, I'll be real curious to see whether you can find a copy of the Remarkable Andrew and what you think if you do. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open for that one. That one seems like again, if it's if it's never been released on any sort of uh, any sort of uh, video format, it's going to be really hard to track down a copy anywhere, you know, unless like somebody's got either a print of it, a physical 35 millimeter print that they've, that they've been able to transfer to some sort of media. But uh, yeah, that's just, if it's one of those, if it's just one of those films that never, never made it high enough on the list to get released on a VHS dump or whatever, then it's just one of those lost pictures. And, you know, you and you and Walter having both seen it on TV were just lucky. Yeah. Uh, Howard was telling me earlier about a, a, a picture that uh, called the remarkable Andrew. That William uh, Holden, written and directed by Dalton Trumbo um, about the about a it, with, with Brian Donlevy as the drunken ghost of, of Andrew Jackson. It's this incredibly left-wing popular film <laughs> made in 1940. Um, incredibly anti-establishment, beautifully made, um, and um, just I've seen it twice. Well, first by accident, and the second because I was again before the VCR day. Um, just an amazing picture. And Holden, Holden is one of the. I mean, if you know my comic book work at all, if you don't, uh, Holden, Garner, and Fonda are the three basic archetypes of the characters that I write and draw in the comic book work I still I do. And, and the character that Holden plays in Stalag 17 is as archetypal of a chicken ch- hero as you can find anywhere. Right. <laughs> I, love, I love the wilder stuff. You know? so. Hey, thanks, guys. A chicken hero. Howard, thank you. I appreciate you coming <laughs> on, pal. Absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, I, I mean, to agree and disagree, because as Eldridge Cleaver always said, too much agreement spoils a chat. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I buy into that wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me so much. I'm very grateful. Um, oh, I think, I, think nothing granted. I, I, I should be thanking you. Are you kidding me? You know, we don't <laughs> often we don't often get comic book legends on this show. So, uh, you know, you get Pomiati, which is kind of like Legend of Jason. Um, <laughs> I, that was. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 I, 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 too, am a twat. <laughs> <laughs> Howard, thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Steve. Have a uh, have a good evening. 
Uh, enjoy your coma. And, and I, Lathan, thank you. Feel better, man. I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping things come out, you know, work out better than, 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 than your fears are. Thanks, and again, Tom. thanks so much. Um, Howard, we'll talk to you soon, pal. A big exempt as my people have it. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya, Howard. Hey, Take care. Be well. Bye. <clears throat> well, that's quick. Uh, we've ever done. Yeah, something. holy crap. <laughs> are we done? <laughs> <Like what? laughs> uh, no, we didn't do posters. I, are, you, I, I, are you excising that from the format? I just didn't pull posters because there weren't any. I mean, other than oh. other than the original painted posters for the, the original releases of these two films, there wasn't, you know, I mean, there were, you know, a few here and there different that were just repaints or, you know, just kind of redos of the original, uh, the original painted poster from the release in, in the 30s. I mean, back then the poster design business was, I mean, literally every poster was hand painted. So, yeah, you know. And so, and I, and I, and I'm nothing sacred. There was like maybe two versions of the same image, but, uh, wow. yeah, Howard, Howard's a riot just in general. I mean, you get him, you get him going on. So, I mean, it'd be fun to get him and, uh, him and Walter on the same show. Believe me. Yeah. That would, that'd be, although the movies between the two of them, I don't know. We'd have to go into an archive somewhere. We'd have to do an Indiana Jones dive to find him. Exactly. You know? Well, that's what he brought like... up. The, he brought up this movie and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. And I looked it up, and I'm like, I don't think this has ever been released yeah. anywhere. This does. This movie never was made. He's like, yeah. He's like, I saw this. I saw this decades ago, and then I saw. I I turned on Channel Five, and it was on, and it was on at three in the morning. And so I quick called Howard. Or I called Walter and said, "Quick, turn on Channel Five. It, it's on." And so he said, "So Walter, of course, you know, jumps on the TV and turns it on." <laughs> So, so he's, he's like, the only one who could survive calling Walter at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, thanks to Festlian Music. Please check out our website, sentimentalpod.com. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at sentimentalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Lathan Conger III, Howard Chaikin, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and penultimate butler, Truman Burbank. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. Radium, po radium poison charlatan. Who were you ever going to say that? Those words together. In the words of our friend, radium, our friend. <laughs> oh, man. In, in the words of our friend and radium poison charlatan, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> Pretty good. I'm going to drop Howard's fuck him. <laughs> that yeah. That's one you should capture and repeat. That's pretty. Fuck him. <laughs>